All right, well, welcome back to our study in systematic theology. Um, last time, we looked at the states of Christ, and the time before that, the names of Christ. Uh, this time, we're going to be looking at the offices of Christ, so the three kind of go together. We'll be wrapping that up this time. Next time, we'll look at the substitutionary atonement, uh, if you're looking ahead. And that Next time, we won't meet until July 20th. Uh, because of the July 4th holiday. Um, so let's do as we usually do, and let's uh, open by uh, reading an article here that goes along with our, our subject matter, and then we will um, watch our video and come back and go through our overview and questions uh, from the video. And then we'll also look at um, a couple of Bible verses along the way, and we'll look at uh, we'll review uh, a paragraph in our confession again. We won't do the whole chapter because we already did that, but we will look at uh, one of the paragraphs once more. All right, so our article. Jesus Christ is the summit of a long line of prophets, priests, and kings. But unlike all who came before him, Christ bears all three of these roles and perfectly fulfills them. Today, Barry Cooper describes the glory of Jesus' threefold office. We sometimes talk about a president, quote-unquote, taking office or leaving office, office meaning a particular role of authority. In the same way, theologians sometimes speak about the offices of Christ, particular roles of authority that Christ fulfills. In fact, Jesus is often spoken of as holding a threefold office, if you want to be really flashy, the theologian, <clears throat> theological Latin is munis triplex. So what are the three offices of authority that Jesus Christ holds? They are prophet, priest, and king. Jesus' title, Christ, itself points towards this. Christ means, quote-unquote, anointed one. And in the Old Testament, prophets were anointed with oil. Priests were anointed with oil, and kings were anointed with oil too. So the Christ, the anointed one, was the one anointed for this unique three, threefold office of prophet, priest, and king. No one in the Old Testament held these three offices together, but Christ does. The idea of the threefold office goes all the way back to the 4th century writer Eusebius of Caesarea, and it was fleshed out later by John Calvin and other Reformed theologians. They pointed out that these three offices, prophet, priest, and king, were a kind of connected tissue linking the history of Israel in the Old Testament with the work of Christ in the New Testament. Just as God's people in the Old Testament had their prophets, priests, and kings, so in the New Testament God's people finally meet their ultimate prophet, priest, and king. Jesus Christ. He is the summit of a long line of prophets, priests, and kings, even the very best of whom were flawed and fallible, and none of whom were all three at once. But Jesus was the fulfillment, the prophet, priest, and king par excellence, as the French would say. The earlier prophets, priests, and kings were mere shadows. Christ is the reality to whom they were all pointing. First, Jesus is the ultimate prophet. One of the main roles of a prophet in the Old Testament was to declare the word of God. But Jesus not only declared the word of God, according to John chapter 1, 
He is the word of God. He is literally God's word incarnate, God's word in the flesh. That's something you could never say of the Old Testament prophets. In fact, one of the main roles of those prophets was simply to point forward to a better prophet, the Christ. So Jesus is not only prophet, he is also the subject of prophecy. As he said himself, the scriptures bear witness about me. Second, Jesus is the ultimate priest. Old Testament priests spoke to God on behalf of the people. They made intercession for God's people, pleaded for them, and made sacrifices on their behalf so that their sin could be dealt with. In the New Testament, Jesus is described in similar terms, but he's so much more than the priests of the Old Testament. He is the great high priest. It's not just that he offers a sacrifice on behalf of his people. He himself is the sacrifice for the sins of his people. He's both the offering and the offerer. And unlike the sacrifices that had to be made year after year by the Old Testament priest precisely because they could not actually atone for sin, Jesus' sacrifice of himself was made once and for all because it really does fully and finally atone for the sin of his people. Thirdly, Jesus is the ultimate king. He tells the Pharisees, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will people say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus is telling him that God's anointed king is right there, in their very midst, speaking to them directly. Christ is the one who is described in the New Testament as reigning, with God the Father putting all things in subjection under his feet. In fact, that was one of the claims that got the early church into so much hot water. They were teaching, in the face of Caesar's claim to absolute authority, that there is a greater king by the name of Jesus. Jesus himself, interpreting Psalm 110 for the Pharisees, explained that the Christ is the son of King David. That is, he is descended from King David, and yet he is, according to Psalm 110, Lord, that's capital L-O-R-D, over King David. Whoever heard of a king's son who is lord over the king? But that is exactly the status, the office, of King Jesus. He is the king of all kings, the lord of all lords. Question and answer 42 of the Westminster Larger Catechism put it this way. Our mediator was called Christ because he was anointed with the Holy Ghost above measure and so set apart and fully furnished with all authority and ability to execute the offices of prophet, priest, and king of his church in both his humiliation and exaltation. So those are the offices of Jesus Christ, the prophet who is also the priest, who is also the king. So hopefully that was a good introduction to what we're studying. Um, let's go ahead and pause and watch our video, and then we'll come back to our overview. All right, we have finished our video. That was a good one. Let's go through our uh, overview and questions now and see what we learned. So this is uh, number 27, the offices of Christ. Our introduction, the offices of Christ are connected to Christ's role as mediator. Christ serves a threefold office called the munis triplex in God's plan for redemption. Here we look at how Christ fulfills the Old Testament offices as our prophet, priest, and king. 
Overview. Scholars have parsed the person of Christ in several ways. It is not easy to summarize the richness of his being in a single formula. An excellent way to understand the person of Christ is to view him through his offices. Christ is our mediator. He stands between two parties, that is, he is a go-between. God and man are in dispute, and Jesus is the agent. In the Old Testament, there are three kinds of mediators, prophets, priests, and kings. Christ fulfills all three of these offices at once. What is the nature of Jesus' role as prophet? The prophet was an agent of revelation to mankind, a spokesperson for God. God gave his word to the prophet, who then delivered it to the people. The prophet's words were prefaced by the idea, and often the words themselves, Thus saith the Lord. False prophets are often attractive to many. God told Jeremiah that he should not be concerned with false prophets, but rather should focus on rightly proclaiming God's word. Jesus was the perfect prophet. Most who met Jesus immediately knew they were in the presence of a great prophet. A reference you can read John 4. Uh, we won't read that whole chapter here now. But he didn't simply proclaim the word, but rather was the word. He was the fulfillment of the prophetic ministry. Jesus was also the object of the prophetic teachings of the Old Testament. How does Jesus fulfill the role of priest? The Old Testament passage that is quoted most frequently in the New Testament is Psalm 110. This incredible prophecy begins, The Lord said to my Lord. The book of Hebrews gives much attention to this passage. The Old Testament priest made intercession for the people, ministering in the most holy of places as he did his work. In Psalm 110, both Ultimate kingship and priesthood are promised to the Messiah. Hebrews affirms that Jesus is the greater priest than any other. Christ's work as priest continues even now as he intercedes for his people at the right hand of the Father. As with Old Testament prophecy, Jesus is the subject and object of the sacrificial system. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the role of the king. Jesus manifested the justice and rule of God in a better way than the Old Testament kings. They had been given authority by God, yet failed. We never find a separation of state from God. Rulers are accountable to God as to how they exercise their reign. Only God can make man a ruler. David was the closest we had to a perfect king, but even his rule makes us long for a perfect king. His claims to kingship, as well as the promise to us that Jesus is the newly born king of Israel, were what put him on the cross. Jesus perfectly fulfills the role of king by wrapping the other offices up into this one. He was a priestly and prophetic king. Jesus is the king right now. He holds the highest office in the universe by being seated at the right hand of God today. There is no other office higher, and he shall reign forever. So let's look at our questions and answers and see what we remember what we learned here. What are the threefold offices of Christ? 
prophet, priest, and king. As prophet, he speaks truth to God's people and is truth. As priest, Christ made the final sacrifice and intercedes for us in the heavenly temple. As king, Christ rules on the throne of God as the King of kings and Lord of lords. What is the role that identifies Christ as the one who stands between us and God interceding on our behalf? Mediator. Just as Moses interceded on behalf of the children of Israel, Christ intercedes for us as one greater than Moses. And for reference, we have 1 Timothy 2.5. Let's go ahead and read that quickly. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. What phrase did Jesus use to show himself to be a prophet? Truly I say to you, Christ doesn't speak the word of God, but he is the word of God. To which priesthood does Christ belong? The order of Melchizedek. The priesthood of Christ is higher than the priesthood of Aaron or Levi and goes back to the mysterious order of Melchizedek. And we've talked about Melchizedek previously. If you remember uh, this kind of mysterious prophet that appears to Abraham, uh, some believe maybe it was a Christophany, meaning it was uh, an early incarnation uh, of Christ himself. I don't know that we can know that for sure, but it's certainly a possibility. What type of king is Christ? A shepherd king. Like David, who learned to be good to be a good king by shepherding sheep, Christ is our great shepherd king whose kingdom will have no end. Will Jesus only reign as king once he returns and sets up his earthly kingdom? No. When Jesus began his public ministry, he declared that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. We read this in Mark 1.15. And when he ascended into heaven, he sat down at the right hand of God. You can read this in Colossians 3.1. Christ's first coming was the inauguration of his kingdom. So let's uh, look at some quick discussion uh, questions. What are the three types of mediators in the Old Testament? Prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king. Yeah, I think that one's a pretty easy answer. How does Jesus fulfill the roles of prophet, priest, and king? Well, as a prophet, he is the word of God and speaks on behalf of God. As priest, he makes intercession for us and offers himself as a sacrifice, offered himself as a sacrifice. And as king, he is the king who can David, the Lord over him, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, and he'll reign. Correct. Okay. How does seeing Christ in these roles help explain his work in God's kingdom? Can you say that again? How does seeing Christ in these roles, prophet, priest, and king, help explain his work in God's kingdom? Well, what, what is his work in God's kingdom? Yeah, you could you could sum it up uh, by saying he is the the ultimate and great mediator because 
prophet, priest, and king are rolled up into being a mediator, right? So in God's uh, kingdom, uh, he, is, he is the mediator. But he's our perfect intercessor. Correct. Okay, um, so that takes care of our overview sheet. I wanted to also uh, just briefly review a paragraph in our confession. If, you'll, if you've got it, you can turn with me to chapter 8. I know we read this entire chapter previously, so I'm not going to do that now. But we are going to read paragraph 1, just to, kind of as a reminder as how it relates uh, to this specifically. So, chapter 8 of Christ the Mediator, paragraph 1. It pleased God in his eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus his only begotten Son, according to the covenant made between them both, to be the mediator between God and man, the prophet, priest, and king, head and savior of his church, the heir of all things and judge of the world, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be his seed and to be by him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. You know what, let's look at, if we look specifically when it mentions his offices here, prophet, priest, and king, um, it's very helpful that our confession has a lot of references and footnotes uh, to, to scripture so we can see uh, where, uh, where we're getting this teaching from in, in scripture specifically. So let's, let's look at these three real quick. I don't think it'll take terribly long. So first it mentions uh, him as prophet. And the footnote here is Acts 3.22. Um, so let's look at Acts 3.22. So I have to flip to it. I don't have it open right now. One second. You're welcome to flip to it along with me if you like. All right, Acts 3, 22. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. You can see a reference there. Christ is prophet. All right, now next is priest. The reference there is Hebrews 5, 5 and 6. Turn to Hebrews. Hebrews 5, verses 5 and 6. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. So again, we see that reference to the order of Melchizedek. Um, giving proof that he, he is of a higher order than Levi. And then we see finally King, and the reference for King, well, there's two references. There's Psalm 2.6. Let's turn there, Psalm 2.6. 
As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And also Luke 1.33. Luke 1.33, I'll back it up a little bit so we have a full sentence here. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So I think those are helpful scripture references for us to understand his, his three offices. And then finally, um, I wanted to read the very beginning of Hebrews which kind of sums up the three offices. So you're welcome to turn to Hebrews 1, and we're just going to read the, the opening paragraph, the first four verses. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And I just thought I would share with you, since it's relevant to what we're discussing, um, I'm shameless, shamelessly promoting uh, a hymn I wrote a couple of years ago that's based on Hebrews 1, uh, 1 through 4. And it basically is uh, a hymn based on Christ being prophet, uh, priest, and king. So I've got the printouts here for uh, you to take one uh, if you would like to. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the beginning of each verse so you can see what I'm talking about uh, being based on prophet, priest, and king in the beginning of Hebrews. So speaking Lord and counselor, that's the beginning of the first verse. So here we see prophet, right? He's a speaking Lord and counselor. He is our prophet. Cleansing Christ, to him we sing. So cleansing Christ, so he's cleansing us of our sin. He's atoning for us, so he is our great high priest. Uh, verse 3, beginning. Mighty God, always ruling. So we see his kingship here, his authority over all creation. And then it sums up in the fourth verse, prophet, priest, and king on high. Uh, so I just thought I would share that uh, with you. You're welcome to take a, a copy. All right, so uh, let's open it up for any comments that you may have of what we've learned and discussed today. Any thoughts? Was this a good session? Did we learn anything? <laughs> Sorry, now we're off mute. Oh, okay. <laughs> any, any thoughts? all you said there. Um, something about when he was known? No, when he was uh, a historical figure, 
think he was often known as a prophet. Many people, even, even Jewish uh, rabbis, recognized him as a prophet, uh, and many of the Jewish people as well. Uh, and, that, and that was true probably from, you know, the first instance I can think of is when he's around 12 years old, and, and remember his parents find him teaching in the temple uh, to, to the, uh, the rabbis there, and, you know, astonished that this 12-year-old is, is teaching them. Uh, but I'd say probably from that point on, he, he was recognized as a prophet. As far as King goes, he certainly made claims throughout his ministry of, of being a king, talking about his, his kingdom is not of this world. And he spoke many times to his disciples uh, about his kingdom. Uh, but as far as priest goes, I, I think that's something he alluded to throughout his ministry, but I don't think it's something people understood or caught on to uh, until uh, his crucifixion and, and resurrection. Uh, and I think after that, um, it became clear that he was uh, definitely the, the great priest because he offered himself up as the ultimate sacrifice. So yeah, that, that would, does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, that was well articulated. Thank you. No, no, that was, that was good. Now, a personal question. Um, out of the three, which one does he, do you think that he embodies the most or that resonates with you? Is it the king? Is it the prophet or the priest? Well, for me, I would say that <laughs> it kind of depends on how, when I focus on myself, what area of life I'm focusing, right? So, you know, if I'm focusing on my own brokenness, my own sinfulness, then, I, then obviously his, his priesthood resonates the most for me um, since he has atoned for my sin. Uh, if I'm focusing on, you know, my daily life, how do I need to live uh, my life, then I'm focusing more on as a prophet because I'm reading his word of God to understand, you know, what, what I need to know to, to live my life as a servant of Christ. Um, and then if I'm focusing more on, you know, the, the hereafter, right, the afterlife and, and glory and eternity, then I'm focusing more on his kingship because I'm focusing more on his, uh, his ruling uh, throughout all eternity. So honestly, it kind of, it, it's introspective for me, right? It's like, what am I thinking about in my own life depends on how I'm viewing Christ at, at that moment, you know, what I'm focusing on as far as Christ goes. Um, but to be able to say which one's like most important, I, I could, that'd be like asking a parent, who's your favorite child, right? There's no way I could, <laughs> no way I could pick one most important. Okay, well, good, good. Um, Misty, you have any thoughts? Good? Okay, well, good. I, I hope this was a helpful session for everybody. And uh, again, I appreciate you tuning in, especially remotely. That's very, very considerate of you to be able to join us even when you're not here. Um, let's go. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Let's go ahead and close this session in prayer. God and our Father, we again do thank you that you have given us the freedom and ability to, to meet and gather, even through technological means when we are not physically uh, together. Uh, what a glory and blessing it is that we can do that and that we can uh, study your word and, and try to learn 
uh, more about our creator, more about our great God, our prophet, and our priest, and our king. Um, Lord, we just ask that you have opened our hearts and minds and ears uh, this evening to, to receive uh, your truth. Uh, I pray that I have not spoken any error, and if I have, that uh, you would correct it. Um, but I, I pray that uh, your truth definitely uh, seeps into to our heart and turns our, our hearts of uh, stone into flesh, and that we live it out in our lives, that we focus uh, on Christ, and that um, we uh, are constantly reminded of our need for Christ, and uh, our need for him in, in, in all three ways, our need for his word, our need for his atonement, and our need for his authority. And uh, Lord, we just, uh, again, thank you that you have all three of these offices all in one, uh, and that you um, are perfect in every way. Uh, we thank you again for your atonement, for uh, forgiving us for our sins, Lord. Uh, you are our great hope. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.